today I'm going to pick up where we left off in, in the uh, series called Connect to Healthy Church. Last week we, we looked at uh, unhealthy uh, church and what they look like and all of the, the admonition and all the places in the Bible where it basically warns us uh, as Christian people and as Christian community how that the church is capable of getting off track and losing its focus. And that, that, that was in some ways a, a really difficult discussion. Uh, this today, however, is incredibly different because we're talking about uh, what it looks like when your hierarchy of values uh, and your church community focuses on the healthy components of church. We're able to kind of drill down on what does it look like. It's no different than if you want to be healthy, you go to the doctors, you get a physical. Uh, they tell you what your ideal weight is. They tell you what temperature and blood work should say. And at the end of the day, you know what your objectives are. And certainly church health is, is really significant and important. And, and so we've taken the time to, to talk about that. And I, I just have to tell you the truth as I, I get rolling here today. When I think about the church of Jesus Christ, I, I've said this before, but it means so much more to me right now. I, I truly believe that the church, and, and we are the church, those not the building, we are the church. The church of Jesus Christ is, I believe, the greatest source of hope for a world without I met in a prayer meeting this morning, not someone who's a part of our church community, but indirectly a friend of a friend, got a call this past week and spoke to a family whose 15-year-old had reached a point in their life and said no hope and made a, a really significant attempt to bring life as they understood it to an end. And, and the tragedy of it is that we are not God. We don't bring life to an end because there was a time when we were not, but there never will be a time when we will not be. We are born on a certain date, but we live forever. And in this world, there are all kinds of challenges, but with Jesus Christ, there is always hope. Now, I, I happen to believe that not only is Jesus the greatest hope for the world we live in, but I think the greatest voice for this message of hope is a local New Testament church. Uh, each of us have a responsibility be, to be completely in love with Jesus and be willing to help hopeless people find hope. And so today we're going to look at our course of values uh, we're going to follow along here today and, and see these in this course of this, this overview and study. We're going to see some core values. We're going to see a hierarchy of values in a spiritually healthy church. And the reason I say hierarchy and the reason I'm using a pyramid and everybody here today when you came in in today's notes, you were given uh, a pyramid. That, that has at the very bottom, a pyramid supports its weight bottom up, that you know, a lot of times we say you put the most important value at the top. 
usually the most visible value is up at the top, but the most important value is in the foundation at the bottom supporting everything else. And, and, and so today as we get started, I hope you'll give yourself for the next few moments because there's a lot of practical application here to your own life, principles that, that will help you be a better husband, a better wife, a better friend, uh, a better and more productive worker where you work, uh, a, a just simply a better neighbor and a better person. Uh, th- before I, I get started, let me, let me say this so that no one will misunderstand me. When I talk about church health, especially today, the, the positive side, I really want you to understand that, that in the context of churches, there are all different body shapes, just as, like there are physically. They're all different body shapes. There's no perfect body shape. Different sizes, different shapes. Uh, we come in all, all different, different styles. And, and that's true with churches. Uh, and there's no one that is just better than another. Uh, the issue is not style. The issue is health. And, and just like no two of us are alike, uh, there's no two churches alike. The perfect church... Uh, is the one that's perfect for you. And the reason I thought it was really important for us to talk about this is we are getting closer and closer to our rebirth uh, as Connect Church. I thought it would be really important for us to, to know what it looks like. And the Bible talks about how uh, healthy churches uh, need all the parts of the church, all the parts of the body to all do their part. Uh, you know, no, no way the eye can say to the hand, not that the eye can talk, but the Bible uses this idea and say, I don't need your hand, and the hand can't say, I don't need you. We need each other. And, and our, our values, what's important to us in, in the context of what church is, has to be understood. And at the very basis of these values, there's, there's got to be this idea of loving God. It's, it's all about him it's about what Jesus has done for us on the cross and how we are to love him and love his word. Again, no perfect, no perfect church, but we're, we're here to give out living water freely to everyone who needs it and everyone needs it. I was looking up this last week because, you know, statistics interest me and I was thinking, how many churches are there in America? I hadn't looked that up for a while. And uh, it's, it's a number that it's, it's kind of a moving target because churches are opening and closing and there's other qualifiers. You know, are we talking all churches, all denominations, house churches, Roman Catholic churches, but Protestant or mainline denomination or evangelical churches, if you just non-denom, you just put them all together in one lump and there's, there's anywhere from 300 to 340,000 uh, churches. And I was thinking, how cool is that, that there are that many churches? But I, I asked myself the next question, how many of them are healthy? How many of them are bearing fruit? How many of them have as their base foundation, loving God and his word? So when Jesus was here on planet Earth, uh, Jesus was asked the most important of all the commands. And he responded in our first verse today, Matthew 22. Would you guys read this with me today? Okay, deep breath. Let's let's read this from our heart and and get into this and and really make sure we get this right. 
join me as we read this out loud together. We're reading from Matthew chapter 22. It's on the screen, verses 37 and 38. Ready? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Why is this the foundational core value? It goes at the base of the pyramid, supports everything else. It's because Jesus said this is what matters the most. This is what matters the most. This verse is the answer to what matters most. And so it just makes sense. In order for us to determine how healthy our church is, we want to ask the question personally. And so you could, right now, in a tangible way, ask yourself in your heart of hearts, do I love Jesus? Is he first in my life? Do I love God with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind? What a passage. What a passage. Uh, th this is the foundation of everything else. Next, there's another foundational level just above this. It's in your pyramid, love for others. And, and that is to be not just, you know, people inside God's family, but unbelievers as well. A healthy church loves people. That's why we say love God, love people, change the world. And, and so the verses here that uh, really connect this for us, 1 John 2, 5 says, but those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. Okay, now stick with me. If you, number one, the foundation, you get that right. If you truly, truly, truly love God and love his word, this verse tells us, God's word shows us, that if we love him, okay, we will know we are living with him. And when you live with him, it brings you to that next command that Jesus gave in response to what's the most important of all commands. It's Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine. 39. A second is equally important. Wait a minute, put on the brake, stop. You mean it's just as important to do the second command as it is to love God? That's what Jesus said. He said, a second is equally important. Would you guys read that with me, the last part of that second verse? What does it say? Love your neighbor as yourself. Wow. Healthy churches will love people. We will love those who are a part of our church community. We will love one another. It is critical that we love one another. And God's given us all kinds of, uh, all kinds of mechanisms to help us get along. Uh, how many of you have ever taken a cat? How many are cat lovers, first of all? Would you wave at me? Okay, I like cats. Um, there's no follow-up pun, okay, I don't mind cats. My wife loves cats, I love my wife, I like cats, okay, it's that simple. <laughs> simple formula. How many ever rubbed the fur on a cat the wrong way? It's kind of cruel. Uh, the cat kind of bristles and then pretty soon it runs away. If it's got its claws, uh, it leaves you with a reminder, don't do that again. And, and that's, that's how some people are. If you, you get to know them, it feels like they're just rubbing your fur the wrong way because God makes all different kinds of people and we're all wired differently and we always don't all get along. But yet in the, in the church of Jesus Christ, we're supposed to love one another. You say, oh, I love them, I just don't like them. No, you can't cop out on that. We have formulas in, in the Bible to help us 
get along and work out our stuff and truly do like and love one another. Uh, I, I was thinking this last week, uh, what's one of the worst things somebody could say about me? And I was thinking about how uh, someone could come and say, Ed, I heard someone said, you ready? The worst thing I could think of. I heard someone said that you're rooting for Michigan this week. <laughs> Are you kidding me? And, and I'd say, who, who said that? Who said that? I can't believe somebody said that. I can't believe somebody said that. Who said that? Why would they say that about me? That's such a bad thing to say about me. And they tell me the name of the person. And uh, I won't say the, the person's name out loud. <laughs> but because we, we just don't do things like that here, but we won't say their name. But I go to that person and I say, because the Bible says in Matthew 18, if you have a brother or sister who's done something to offend you, go speak to them, talk to them. And, and because when you talk to someone else without talking to them, I'm telling you what healthy church looks like. This is the positive side. You go and you, you say, hey, I love you. And I, I've done this before. You just simply say, did, did, I heard this. Someone said this. Is that true? And oftentimes there's an explanation. You know, the, the truth is I don't hate Michigan. You know, there's an element. If my parents moved uh, our family to Michigan uh, after my junior year had started, I, I've actually lived. I, I had no vote on the thing. They drugged me there kicking and screaming, but I went. And, and I lived there, and I finished high school there and graduated from high school in Michigan. I graduated, went to college, never went back, okay, but the, except for occasional visits uh, and periods of incarceration and punishment. And, and so I just haven't gone back a whole lot. But the truth is, there's a little truth to the fact that Ed has some roots in Michigan, you see? So you take a half a truth, and you say, ah, oh, he's rooting for Michigan. Now, obviously, that is so trite and so silly, but we do that sometimes when we have a narrative and we're not happy with someone and we tell a half-truth, or maybe just a little slice of truth. Healthy church loves each other enough to go embrace one another and say, I love you. Can we talk? And, and honestly, love for others requires us to work things out. How healthy will Connect Church be? Well, if you get the foundation right, love God, love his word, everything else pretty much takes care of itself. Because God's word makes it very clear what to do in order to love others. Not, not just loving one another, you know, people around us, you know, and, and not everybody is as easy to love as is everybody else. Uh, what's the old poem? To live up above with those that we love, that will be glory. But to live down below with those that we know, that's a different story. And, and the, the truth is we, we can. We can mess up a church's health by not just simply not loving each other. And, and so I, I hope for you leave today, you'll go to somebody that maybe you got a little spat going on with them, and, and you will look at them and you will say, I love you and I'm sorry. I, I want things to be right. 
And, and that person that you're thinking of may be the person living in the same house with you. You know, loving one another. Loving unbelievers, loving people who look differently. I want to give you a couple of verses. We're going to pick up the speed here a little bit because this is huge. Uh, scripture really drills down on this when it says you love your neighbor as yourself. Nobody would want themselves who knows Jesus Nobody would not want to go to heaven when they die. I mean, we love ourselves enough to say, yes, when, when this is over, I, I want to be with Jesus. And yet, if we have a neighbor that we haven't told about Jesus, we're not loving them as ourself. And, and so this is not just in-house, this is outside the, the world in which we live in an outward focus as well. Next, number three. So we've got love God, we've got love people. Third level in the pyramid is making disciples. Uh, God has called us to change the world, and the greatest way to change the world is help someone come to know Jesus. This verse, Matthew 28, says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore, what does it say now? Go and? All three of us got it, yes. Go and what? Make disciples. Come on. This is it. This is what a church looks like. It's a, it's a disciple-making machine. It is committed to. One of the exciting things I'm uh, looking forward to is Pastor Jay is starting to put himself more and more and working with Michelle and so many on our team. And, and first of the year, some really cool opportunities for small groups are going to get launched. And we're even going to be doing some training. Some of you are sitting here thinking, I kind of maybe like to help lead a small group. Pastor Jay is going to help train you to be able to lead a small group. Why, 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 why small groups? Well, that was the model Jesus used. Jesus got together, hung out with 12 people, invested a lot in them, and then sent them out. And they started groups and started meeting with other people. And those people then started groups and sent them out. And, and this process of making disciples is telling people about Jesus. But don't end it there. Teach them to do all the things, all the commands that Jesus gave. And that's what spiritual maturity is all about. Uh, that's why connecting to small group. What does a healthy church look like? It is absolutely committed to small groups. So, so a healthy church will have balance, evangelism and discipleship. Next, the fourth thing here, mission-focused facilities. One of the coolest things going on now is the volunteer team that's out there helping, pouring themselves into the time and energy and labor to help get our property ready. And the reason why is we have given ourselves to the idea of not being in debt and allowing us to put all of our resources into ministry once the building is done. And I just love the way. It's such an amazing thing to see so many people involved. And what we're really doing is we're focusing on this value, this hierarchy of values, a mission-focused facilities that we have said our function, what we do, precedes the form. We don't make something and then say, I hope that works. 
uh, actually most of the space we've designed over there, we started with what will we do in that space? What do we need to be doing? A and then we build the space to take care of that. Let me get you to, to look at some of these passages. The early church always found a way <laughs> to overcome limitations. 1 Corinthians 16, 19. Here's what it says. The church is here in the province of Asia. Send greetings in the Lord as do Aquila and Priscilla and all the others who gather in their home for church meetings. So where were they meeting? In a home. Uh, one of the cool things, you see now that the gospel has gone from Jerusalem where it started. It is now in Asia. And so the word of God is going out uh, in, the, in the context of this scripture that would be connected to Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, and up through there, which a lot of the gospel message, as it went ultimately to Rome and up into Europe, our spiritual forefathers were impacted. Because the early Christians did what God told them to do. They did what Jesus commissioned them to do. Go out and tell other people. Make disciples. And, and, and the, the facilities oftentimes were not that grandiose. They met in caves. They met in fields. In fact, you, you may not even realize this, but after Jesus ascended into heaven in the day of Pentecost and thousands of people became Christians overnight... They didn't have a building to meet in. They started meeting on the Temple Mount, up where the temple was. There's a courtyard where over 20,000 people could meet together out in, in an open assembly area. And, and, and so they found a way to do it. But the, the mission will drive it. Mission-focused facilities is a big deal. And anything that takes away from the mission... I don't think reflects healthy church. So here we go. Next verse. Also give my greeting to the church that meets in their home. Here's another church home. Greet my dear friend, Epinetus. He was the first person from the province of Asia to become a follower of Christ. So the early church in Jerusalem did exactly what Jesus said to do. They went out. They told people about Jesus. And one of the coolest things I wanted to tell you about today was this. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we had a, a missionary, young family. Uh, he, Kevin Faldi and his wife and his kids, three of his kids were here. And Kevin spoke for us here in the bridge. How many remember Kevin? Missionary to Haiti. You remember him? Just a few weeks ago. And, and this last week, our missions team here in our church community uh, reviewed our partnership with Kevin, and we determined that through our giving, as we give, that we are going to designate money for him to support him so that when he goes to Haiti, he can concentrate on telling people about Jesus. And so, I don't know if you realize it or not, but we're doing exactly what the church in Jerusalem did. The early church in Jerusalem took the gospel and the good news out. Now, let's keep moving here. There's another core value uh, beyond mission-focused facilities. It is the principle that I just simply refer to as inclusiveness. Inclusiveness. Now, the, the higher up you get on the pyramid, the more easily you can see it. In fact, part of the base is covered by sand and dirt. Part of the foundation, the lowest level, you can hardly see. But as we get higher, you can see inclusiveness. 
If you go to a church and you are not welcomed, that reflects that that church is not healthy. It does not include anyone and everyone like the early church did. Let's look at the verses that teach us this, Acts 19.10. We want to be a healthy church. This went on for the next two years so that people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greek, heard the word of the Lord. Listen, there were few things that were more culturally dividing than this issue of Jewish person, non-Jewish. The story, you, you remember the Good Samaritan? You remember the first person who saw the guy beat up? He was a religious person. And what he did is when he saw this person who looked different from him, he went over to the other side of the street, walked around him, would not help him. The Good Samaritan crossed the street, went over and helped him. And we are in the business as healthy believers of taking the good news about Jesus to everybody. And, and, and until we embrace this inclusiveness, we will never be fully healthy. And that's true in our personal life. And, and I see this all the time. One of the coolest things I see going on right now in our church community is how our ministries are, are basically reflecting this health value of inclusiveness. If you go down to helping hands, we don't care who you are. You need help, you come and we'll help. And I'm so proud of our volunteers. I'm so proud of those who are, are working down there. Let's, let's go to the, the, the next verse. Jews and Gentiles are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gave generously to all who call on him. In other words, as far as God is concerned, Healthy church sees what God sees. And what God sees is that he's no respecter of persons. He loves all people. And so I have one more verse I want to read to you here. Because Paul gave us this approach on how to see people. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 9.22. Listen to this. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. Okay, that's inclusiveness. That's his ability to see and know people and what their needs are. He has the ability to connect with people, know what they know, feel what they feel. So when I'm with weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weakness to Christ. I want to bring these people who are weak. They're different than me. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. That's what inclusiveness is. The next verse, some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we are all sharing the same spirit. Okay, I'm trying to show you what a healthy church looks like. It has diversity, there is inclusiveness, everyone is welcome, everyone is loved. And that was present in the early church. I mean, there were a few things that divided people more than the issue of slavery in the ancient world. Slaves weren't even recognized as people. They didn't have the right to live. Their life could be taken by their owner. But in the church, suddenly, you got this radical idea. It's all the same, slave and free. We love each other in Jesus' name. And so there is the issue, health. Health, healthy churches are inclusive. Next, let me keep rolling here. Inclusiveness. Next, unity. Excuse me. <laughs> Got ahead of myself here. Inclusiveness. Next, justice. Justice. The verse here says, learn to do good. 
Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the cause of orphans. Fight for the rights of widows. Now, just in case you had checked out there for a moment, we're going to read that one out loud. Okay, will you do that with me? This is what a healthy church looks like. It has as a value, and you can see this, you can taste it, you can experience it. It is as you are discipled, you become more like Jesus. You begin to see this world through a prism of, of just behavior. And so read it with me. Would you do it? You say, yeah, this is pretty radical stuff here. Yeah, this is from the Bible. You know, it's in there. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 17. Read it. Learn to do good. Seek justice, help the oppressed, defend the cause of orphans, fight. Wow. Sounds like Christians are a bunch of radical people. That's, that, is, that is what a healthy church looks like. People who stand up and say, I'm going to fight for that person. They are oppressed. They are a victim of an injustice. And I'm going to love them in Jesus' name. Now, you're not doing it just to give them physical freedom, that's the difference between the way the world does it and the way the church does it. The church has as the ultimate goal of seeing people experience true freedom in Christ, that they come to Jesus, that they know Jesus. And that's really the true pathway to freedom. When you are set free from your sins and are born again, a healthy church grabs a hold of this idea of justice. I, I remember my early... Uh, impressions of South Florida when I moved there. Spent 15 years and, and one of my first impressions was during one of the flotillas as people were coming across the ocean to the Florida Peninsula. I, I was standing there at the beach one day because I had been told that people were coming uh, from countries, not, we're, we're not talking marginal, marginal issues, but, but literally being killed and slaughtered. And many of them were Christians. And, and so as they came, there were oftentimes Christian organizations would meet them at the beach, uh, adopt them, start the legal process, always legal, the legal process of immigration, and, and there is a process to be followed there. And, and I remember one day I was standing there with a group who had done this all the time, and I saw a raft on the beach, and it was empty. And I said, oh, you helped somebody. And they kind of hung their heads and said, no, no. No, that, that one got here empty. And, with, you know, I'd never really thought about that before. But people wanting freedom so bad, they, they would be willing to risk their life, some of them dying on the journey from Cuba to the Florida Peninsula. And, and, it, and it hit me, my, my whole perspective here of how we see people. You know, I... I I think it's important that we, we see things not being drugged one way or another by one political party or another. We are to see things as healthy believers and healthy church, and God loves people. This is one of the, the coolest things a church can be known for, by the way, our reputation of being healthy and having as a value justice. Last, unity. Unity. This is the top. You know what? This is something people see. Quite frankly, when they think of church, they see a bunch of people get along or people who don't. Unity is absolutely essential in a healthy church. 
The verse here, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13 says, This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and acknowledge and the knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standards of Christ. Now, again, just give me a couple more seconds here and I'll, I'll explain this verse. This will continue. What will continue? You've got to go back to verse number 12. And what happens in verse 12? He's talking about how the pastors are to teach us the word of God. We are to grow in our faith. So teaching will continue until we all come together in the unity of our faith and the knowledge of God's son. And so faith is what unites us. And if we have a common cause, and that common cause is the mission that God gave us. And healthy church is absolutely the greatest hope this world has because it's the best platform. It's the best voice to tell people that there is a God and that God is a God of love. And anything you've thought about God that doesn't make sense, it probably came to you from a twisted, maybe not a good representation of what church is supposed to look like. You know, there's, there's 300,000 plus churches. We, we need to be one of the, the new and our rebirth churches committed to church health. And, 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 it, and if we will give ourselves to that, God will take us, he will use us, he will do things that we can't even imagine. But it all comes back to this, love God, that's where it starts, love people, Change the world. How do we change the world? Make disciples. How do we make disciples? One person. Loving one person at a time. Would you all stand with me? Heads are bowed. No one's looking around. Thank you for listening today. We hope your heart was inspired. For more information or directions, visit us at abt316.com.